Hello, welcome to Eat This Scroll, the podcast where we study the Bible while teaching people how to study their Bible so that they can read their Bible not just as information but as food for their soul. I'm Eric Miller, uh, lead teaching pastor at Mercy Hill Church. With me recording today, we have, uh, for the first time, Mr. Matt Miller, uh, youth pastor at Mercy Hill Church. What's up? We're all excited about it. Very excited. <laughs> Mark's very excited about it. We also have Mr. Mark Russell. Hello, hello. And and uh, Brad Frakowski, or as his friends call him, or we call him, B-Diz. B-Diz. Hey, hey. <laughs> With us today. Hey, today we are going, uh, as we're going through the book of Philippians, we find ourselves in chapter 3. We're going to see how far we get once. We're going to read here uh, verses 1 through 11, and then we're going to... Uh, uh, yeah, just talk our way through it together. So, Brad, if you want to go ahead and read verses 1 through 11 of Philippians chapter 3, that would be awesome. All right. Finally, my brothers, rejoice in the Lord. To write the same things to you is no trouble to me and is safe for you. Look out for the dogs. Look out for the evildoers. Look out for those who mutilate the flesh. For we are the circumcision who worship by the Spirit of God and glory in Christ Jesus and put no confidence in the flesh. Though I myself have reason for confidence in the flesh also. If anyone else thinks he has reason for confidence in the flesh, I have more. Circumcised on the eighth day of the people of Israel, of the tribe of Benjamin, a Hebrew of Hebrews, as to the law of Pharisee, as to zeal, a persecutor of the church, as to righteousness under the, under the law, blameless. But whatever gain I had, I counted as loss for the sake of Christ. Indeed, I count everything as lost because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord. For his sake, I have suffered the loss of all things that count and count them as rubbish in order that I may gain Christ and be found in him, not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law, but that which comes through faith in Christ, the righteousness from God that depends on faith, that I may know him and the power of his resurrection and may share his, his sufferings, becoming like him in his death that by any means possible I may attain the resurrection from the dead. Amen. Lord, let us see wonderful things from your word as we look at this. Amen. Um, so what did you guys see there as we read that? The, the, the last several verses, verses 7 through 11, are a fairly well-known passage of Scripture. There's a lot in there, um, and we will get to that eventually, but especially just in the first six verses or so, it's kind of the way the, the text breaks down. It's kind of 1 through 6 and then 7 through 11. Um, but what jumped out at you immediately, especially in those first six verses? Anything? Well, I think one thing real quick is just uh, the some of the repetition right there in verse 2. He says, uh, look out a few times. I think it's three times. Look out for the dogs. Look out for the evildoers. Look out for those who mutilate the flesh. Um, yeah, what's he talking about here? Yeah. This is interesting. <laughs> well, <it's> yeah. <laughs> good question. <laughs> The dogs, am I right in saying that that was like that would have been a term Jews would have used for outsiders? Yeah, yeah, fair. Yeah, they would have used that of uh, many times of speaking of Gentiles, and it's like fairly derogatory yeah. and and like a weighty <laughs> derogatory word. So, so Paul is using some pretty strong language here, but there's a deep kind of irony going on with it because. The irony is that Jewish people, not, not not everybody, but some would speak of Gentiles in this way. Paul here, though, is using it of the Judaizers, i.e., the some of the religious party, specifically like the Pharisees and those that really uh, right. always had it out for Jesus, and he's using it on them and and using this this term here. Those evil doers look out for those who mutilate the flesh. 
flesh, excuse me, which is almost certainly a very specific, um, uh, what would be the word? I want to just, I guess, just derogatory again. Um, way of speaking of circumcision, yeah. which is something that they valued very highly. And Paul here just simply calls it mutilating the flesh. Um, because again, they did it with uh, as an act of self-righteousness, thinking that it was somehow uh, gaining them right standing with God um, just because of the kind of the ceremony of it. Um, and so Paul is just initial observation. He's coming out swinging. Yeah. Um, throwing some haymakers yes, here early. He's throwing. Some, well, the yeah. other thing, the other thing with that. So you mentioned they did it as a form of self righteousness, and not to jump ahead, but that begins to be what he he's going to go on to kind of punch at more yes. specifically. I think is that idea. But then here's the other one wrapped right in the middle of this is evildoers. Yeah. So dogs. Now this term that that Jews would have used. Uh, to talk about Gentiles now being used for Jews because of the way that they are now putting these demands on Gentile Christians to kind of follow the law and engage in their practices and stuff. That's what he's getting at with circumcision. But right in the middle there, he actually calls them evildoers. So I feel like one thing, one movement already that we're seeing is that all these things, like they're getting turned upside down almost. You know what I mean? Like the, the way that, um, the Jewish religion and the way they would have seen the law and what righteousness is all of a sudden now they're the ones because of their staunch kind of commitment to it and understanding that everybody needs to follow this. They're actually the dogs. Now they're the evildoers, um, which again, I think, and we'll get there later, but I think that movement kind of carries through this whole thing, but it's very interesting that like just the way that it, everything gets flipped here. Um, yeah, no, for sure. There's a there's a little bit of a rabbit trail, but we might as well chase it for a little bit and see see where we go. Sure. But there, just generally speaking, in, um, in speaking of man made religiosity, often carries with it a very deep kind of tragic irony um, in the way that people miss the main thing um, and think that they're hitting it. Like I think about where Jesus um, speaking to the religious rulers. I believe it's in the Gospel of John. He says, you search the scriptures diligently because you think that in them you have eternal life. He says, these are the scriptures that testify about me. So, if you know, most, um, you know, historical scholars and stuff will talk about how, you know, some of the background just on, to, you know, like to be called Mr. Pharisee or whatever, to be a part of that group. Like you, you had at least the Pentateuch, Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy, if not the majority of the, Old, of the Old Testament, memorized. Now, just let that sink in for a second. They memorized it, and yet they missed Jesus when he came. And anyway, all that to say that there, there's a deep irony here, too, uh, in that the Judaizers are actually, that Paul's referring to here are actually missing it. Um, and, and if I can, too, just getting back to the text, uh, again, in the context, one of the things you want to look for is, as you're reading the scripture a lot of times is, th- is not only comparisons but also contrasts. Um, and you see a contrast here between verses 2 and 3. So look out for the dogs, the evildoers, those who mutilate the flesh. And then verse 3, 4, we are the circumcision. Or I believe yeah. some translators say the true circumcision. And so, again, that's where he's he's contrasting this, the the outward just simple act of uh, that and the way that the Pharisees did it um, of 
circumcision as an act of self-righteousness, mutilating the flesh. For we are the true circumcision who worship by the Spirit of God. And you'll see this language throughout the New Testament that circumcision is now an issue of the heart done by not with human hands, but by the Spirit of God. So who worship by the Spirit of God and glory in Christ Jesus. And then, here it is, put no confidence in the flesh. Where they're putting all the confidence um, in the flesh. And so right here you kind of have uh, the black and white stark contrast between um, man-made religiosity and what, how we're called to follow, to follow. Yeah, it was just interesting too, again, how he's using all the same language to do it though, right? Like it's, yeah. it's, uh, it, it's not that it's, he's still using the word circumcision, which is, yeah. which is what's interesting. And again, the same way that the Jews, like they would have used these terms to describe outsiders. Well, now they're the ones being described as that because of spiritual reality, same thing with circumcision um, and this idea of the flesh, there's no confidence in the flesh. They are the true circumcision, not outwardly, but inwardly, like you're saying. And so it just is, it's, it's more of that. We're kind of taking all of these terms and ideas and stuff that would have been very central to the Jewish religion, but we're, we're changing it. And it's actually, it's actually not, not good for them in a way. Yeah. Yeah, the contrast, I mean, it sticks out. You're, you're kind of seeing that value, kind of just piggybacking off what you just said, Mark, the value in the flesh versus the value in the spirit um, and how we worship and, and, and the way that we worship and, and kind of what Eric's been alluding to the whole time is they're kind of doing this uh, these actions, right? Um, and what are, what are the underlying reasons for those actions and then those actions being an indicator so allegedly, right? Supposedly, like those actions, all of those things, which of course Paul will get here to a list at some point that we will want to get to here in a minute. But um, all these external actions that are supposed to justify uh, the individual, and and Paul, like you were saying, um, is flipping this on its head and kind of showing that ultimately it's not about what the external is; it is the internal. So, yeah, that contrast sticks out pretty. Pretty largely. Yeah, and I want to go back to what Mark said, his first initial observation as we started the podcast, just in terms of like this this warning to look out, and even going back to verse 1, um, uh, to write the same things to you is no trouble for me and is safe for you. So Paul is reminding them, um, and and he, and again, and then he goes, he says, look out, and then he says, look out again a couple times in verse 2. I just think of the first thing that comes to mind for me is parenting is how often I warn my kids of the same things over and over and over again. And that's, and that's, and that's right. And that's good. Um, and how we need the same thing in our walk with Christ is like, we need to be constantly reminded of these things. Um, and as Paul says here, it's always like, look, it's no trouble for me. I just feel like he's kind of like, you know, the dad or like, especially some of my boys that are older, you know, it's like, I start saying, starting in on some of my same lines that I have about certain things and they're kind of like, uh, dad, I, I, and I'm like, I don't care. You're going to hear it. <laughs> You're going to hear it again. Um, because this is how we, this is how we walk with Christ. And we're always going to, we're always susceptible to self-righteous religious attitudes, which if I had to kind of sum up what he's talking about here, this, that would, that would, would be it. And I, I think, uh, one thing is Paul is very uniquely, qualified to go after the Judaizers and, uh, you know, the, the Pharisaical lots, uh, people from those kinds of settings because of where he's come from. You know, if you look at the others, uh, fishermen, tax collector, and so forth, um, Paul is uniquely qualified to go after them. And 
I find that kind of interesting that, you know, he's showing that, you know, if anyone has confidence in this, it, it would be me, but I don't. That's exactly where it goes. What about, what about this idea of, so we've kind of identified the groups of people, the movement a little bit. What about this idea of, this is kind of picking up on what you were saying, but, but look out for these people. And he, he, and he frames it, um, with this idea of safety in verse one, it's safe for you. Uh, that, that they hear these things and then it goes on to say, look out for these people who are, as we've just described, the religiosity, the legalism, yeah. the self-righteousness. Yeah. Uh, that feels hard hitting. I don't know. Well, well it does. It, and um, <laughs> this is going to be funny. I, this, um, this is something that's been stuck in my mind. Again, what's funny about it is, is that it's something I said in a sermon a while back. The reason I say it's funny is usually the things that every week as I'm studying for a sermon, there are certain things that stick out to me and they kind of, I don't know, they, they, they speak to me, but then I don't think when I share them that they, anyone else thinks they're good at all. It's <laughs> 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 what's kind of funny about it. But, but one of the things, I forget what ex- even the context exactly was, but I was talking about how, I think I was just referring to sin, but, but here I think you could apply it to even man-made religious righteousness, uh, this pharisaical spirit, so to speak. Um, it doesn't blow you up like a landmine, but it lulls you to sleep like Delilah. Mm-hmm. And I think, and and that's what um, I, re- I remember that one. Oh, you just, do, yeah, you do. Yeah, th- th- thanks, yeah. man. I feel I feel better. Somebody was paying attention. <laughs> no, but that that little phrase has just been has just been stuck in me lately. But I think about Jesus teaching about. He said, "Watch out for the yeast or the leaven of the Pharisees." Why did he compare it to that? It's because just a little bit. Mm-hmm. It begins to work its way in, and all of a sudden, it contaminates not just kind of who you are, but also churches and communities of people. And so that's where he's saying, like, you need to be like this will get you, you know, sure, um, yeah. and it'll get you in a very subtle way. That's what's so insidious about it. You got to think too. It kind of like how how much of an impact the Jewish converts were having on the Gentile converts. That like this would be a topic, right? So that it's I think sometimes probably I would assume a lot of the Gentile converts would look to Jewish converts for wisdom because that's Christ was a Jew. I mean, it's like the, all the heritage, all the fleshly heritage comes sure. from that, yeah. from there. And it's like, so it would be, I don't know, human in, I guess just natural human instinct or whatever to kind of lean on some of those people that you feel like, well, they're above and beyond me. Their, their faith is more than mine because they are, of the original covenant or whatever it may look like. I mean, there had to be some type of influence there. Otherwise, why are you looking out for the, why are these people even having an influence on this church? Um, sure. Other than the fact that like these people, they, they're, they're looked to for a reason. There's yeah. a reason they're pl- being placed on a pedestal, I guess. Well, and along with that, and then what Miller touched on earlier about Paul being uniquely qualified uh, to speak into this, this is, is exactly where he goes into verse four is verses four through six are essentially a very brief, concise, um, bio of the Apostle Paul, and he kind of you know highlights some things here, um, and, he, and then he says, "Though I myself have con- have reason for confidence in the flesh," um, and this is again, Paul is uh, it's interesting the way he he talks sometimes. He's like, "You want to play this little game of like religious self righteousness?" Right. He's like, "Boy, you ain't got nothing." <laughs> like, he's like, "I mean," I, he goes, "I will." I will throw down with you any day, like like bring it if we're gonna play that game. Yeah. But but again, listen to what he says. Though I myself have reason for confidence in the flesh, if anyone thinks he has reason for the confidence in the flesh, I have more. 
circumcised on the eighth day of the people of Israel, of the tribe of Benjamin, a Hebrew of Hebrews, as to the law, a Pharisee, as to zeal, a persecutor of the church, as to righteousness under the law, blameless. And so he just rattles off this Bible. But, and, and then again, here's this big transition piece, and I don't want to jump to this right away, but we can kind of go back and work through that brief little bio. But, and then verse 7, there's a huge... No, there's a huge but here. Okay, in verse in verse seven, he says, <laughs> "But whatever gain I had, I was I did not be." It's a good it re- Bible it really, it, Bible study it, term. It, yeah, it, it, it yeah, happens. Yeah, like yeah, it, yeah, it, it, yeah. it really is. But whatever gain I had, I counted as loss for the sake of Christ. And so that 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 term that also that or that verse that's very famous that. Um, people have heard of that whatever gain I had, I counted as loss for the sake of Christ. The gain that he's specifically talking about is this religious righteousness um, that he's just referred to. And he's saying, I, I got rid of all of it. I laid it all aside. I want, uh, I want nothing to do with it, do it because I wanted to gain Christ and know, and know him. So, yeah. And I guess with this group, I probably come from the most conservative setting out of all you guys. I was raised in a fairly conservative Anabaptist church. And uh, I I guess some people could probably grow up in that and have a proper perspective of it. I didn't. You know, I was very much like that Pharisee who was like, look at what I'm doing. And I didn't really know Christ. And when, when that was kind of revealed to me, like the truth of the gospel, um, it, it's just amazing that the shift in perspective. And when I look at this passage here with Paul, you know, I have to think, uh, was he among those Pharisees that, you know, you see the various accounts of Jesus interacting with the Pharisees. Was Paul one of them? You know, was he sitting across from Jesus, you know, having these arguments? And then all of a sudden one day, just in a blink of an eye, kind of like it ha- happened for me, I realized that all of those arguments, everything that I looked at as good in myself, it was nothing. And when you come to that point, it's it's both really freeing, but it's also really humbling. And so I have I can I can feel what Paul's going through here. I mean, obviously my experience isn't what his was, but um, it's just yeah. pretty interesting to see see that account with well, my history. Good. Well, Paul. Well, and Paul's you know his conversion experience on the Damascus Road that you mm-hmm. read about in Acts chapter nine. Um. It really did happen in the, in the blink of an eye, so to speak, kind of pun intended, is that the glory of Jesus shows up to him as he's on his way to, to persecute the church. Oh, that's it, good. Yes. Isn't he blinded? Yeah, he's blinded. <laughs> <laughs> Bible jokes. Sorry. You're, you're welcome. I'm Take me all, back. That, was, that, that took me straight back to my to my Bible college days yeah, right. right there. I was like, it's, you never, if there's low-hanging fruit on yeah. a good Bible joke, I had you don't a, let it pass by. you got to take this a is, This is a side. There was a professor in particular who was very, like, very good at puns. Yeah. And he would always drop these puns and then, like tell us that's good for the Baptist college mixer, yeah. like you know, like the Friday night yeah, bat. So that would have made, the, yeah, that would have made the the college mixer listener Christian jokes gone yeah. wild. You just <laughs> just never know. But um, but but Jesus meets him, and 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 I uh, there, I don't know. There's something here to talk about that there is a very real. Uh, I don't know if you just want to call it a category because again, we can all be susceptible to it at times. But uh, of just people that would fall into the category of the religious lost. Paul was extremely religious, seemed to have 
um, a passion for God. But the the uh, the little phrase in Acts chapter nine is Jesus, and so again, tragic irony is the only way I can put it. Is Jesus shows up to him and says, "Paul, Paul, why are you?" Or Saul, Saul at the time, "Why are you persecuting me?" And Saul's first words to him are, "Who are you, Lord?" That's what he said. Like he do, he didn't know him, even though he had all this other stuff going on. He did not know Jesus, and that's what it comes down to. And then, and then to, again, to understand that that's how it happened with Paul. Like if you guys are listening and have never read that story in Acts chapter nine, um, you know, go read that and then come back here and and talk and and look at again at how Paul talks about the fact that like all that. That, and again, this this you have to understand. Like he starts on, circumcised on the eighth day. That's when he was eight days old. Like he was, he was literally reared from birth. That's no exaggeration. Yeah. To be an adherent of the law mm. as a Pharisee, um, and so his entire life he counted his loss for knowing Christ because. Because Christ uh, is better and is ultimately what what it's all about, and so to have all those other trappings without having Christ is to miss the entire thing. But it's it's quite powerful. Sorry, go I ahead. I think now. it's interesting how he kind of steps back into that for a second, and it's not to it. It's essentially to kind of start tearing it down from within, right? Yeah. With this, um, you know, basically, basically comparison game which is which is um significant because it's very that's what self-righteousness is and does right we see that illustrated in the gospels in different places where um these these religious leaders are they're they're part of how they're described is so i think about the one parable in luke um where he talks to those who it says they were trusting in themselves for righteousness. And the way that that person is described in the parable is that he thanks God that he's not like everybody else. Right. Um, and so that's, that's what this self-righteousness does. It's, it's always looking around and comparing and stacking up and trying to, you know, attain for self and get to God. And so he essentially just takes himself back into that and says, that's the that's the game that you're playing if you're if you're in this and you don't like you're not going to win that either right so so you're losing on that front but then it's also this kind of i feel like movement from um maybe like a greater to lesser type thing where it's like if if Paul himself who's at the top that's kind of the picture he's painting of himself if he's counting everything as lost so that he can know Christ will Everybody right. else should too, right? It's like him of all people. If anybody was going to be able to to have anything worthy, it would be him. But he doesn't, and the implication then is that nobody else does either. Yeah, on Team Pharisee, Paul is uh, a starter on the varsity, and everybody else is like you know yeah. a junior high B team yeah. compared to what yeah. he was, and yet. He's saying, look, I gave this all up, and why? For Christ, for Christ, for Christ. Going back earlier um, in the book of Philippians, you know, he says that that little phrase that I'm sure many have heard, to live is Christ and to die is gain. To live is Christ, is that um, Paul's passion before it was helping people or even sharing the gospel or planting churches, it was Jesus Christ himself um, uh, was his passion. But 
what else you guys see there in the, in the transition or we can wander a little bit farther to well, into some of those verses? I think as you were like discussing that just now, I was starting to think where Paul prior to conversion would have found his value, would have found his confidence and would have found his identity. And it was in all of those things that in the flesh, right? All of those things that, that is listed here. Um, and then after his conversion, with the interaction with Christ, where he finds his value, where he finds his confidence, where he finds his identity is now in Christ. And uh, I think, I I think that just speaks to all of us. I think like the various different things that we're involved in throughout our life that we see our identity in, or that we see our value in, or that we see that we gain our confidence from that is outside of him. um, It's just shifting sand and it's going to dissolve and be wiped out from underneath us at some point. And if it's like, if you're not standing on the solid rock of Christ, um, that you have no hope, right? Yeah, like, that's, like that's a, what it's, it's all about. Yeah. And let's be real. If, if we're putting our confidence in all those things, uh, the works of the flesh, etc., we're usually doing those because they make us feel good, mm-hmm. especially in the context of living in America, you know, very individualistic culture. We like to accomplish, make our own way. Right. Yes. And if you look at, the local context here in Holmes County, I mean, most of our listeners are going to be, you know, from Mercy Hill Church, you know, grew up in Holmes County, big Amish community. And, you know, one of those things, for example, that he mentioned was of the tribe of Benjamin. You know, around here, you might say, well, I'm of the tribe of Yoder or Beachy, Miller, or Troy, or whatever it may be. Is there a tribe of Russell anywhere around here? Because uh, I haven't, no, I haven't no, found, I'm looking. but are an outsider. Like the Amalekites. Yeah. <laughs> But I don't know what that you had to pick the Amalekites. <laughs> but Philistines. <laughs> Sorry. I just shouldn't have asked. <laughs> Sorry. That, I knew better. That, that was Bible jokes gone wrong. There, but, yeah. <laughs> but it's just, it's so easy to want to work out of our own flesh to make us feel like we're accomplished, like we're doing something. And yeah. you, Eric, you had said how it's, it, what did you say? It lulls you to sleep like Delilah yeah. instead of blowing you up like a landmine, yeah, something like right, that. Yeah. Well, I mean, that's true. It's, it's so subtle the way it works its, itself, its way in, even if we have the greatest of intentions. And I think that's something that we really, especially in this area, we need to guard our hearts against because we're raised in such steep or deep traditions, and we put a lot of value in a lot of those things. And as a whole, if you come here, you're going to find that people tend to be trustworthy. You're not going to face violence, you know, any of those things that you might run into in other areas, it's, it's a really nice place to live. But I do feel like most of the community is simply lulled to sleep. Religion, man-made religion of any flavor has that effect on you. Yeah. It just, it just kind of lulls you to sleep. Um, yeah. And so get in here. I think we'll maybe let's run through it briefly. I actually think we can probably come back and do another podcast just on verses, uh, seven through 11 and maybe, throw in verses, I don't know, 12 through 14 or so too, but um, just kind of walking through this briefly and then we'll be about out of time. We need to wrap up, but um, he says, he repeats it. He says, I count everything as lost for the sake of of Christ. Indeed, I count everything as lost. So the main thing Paul has in mind again was his, really his entire upbringing and heritage. Um, He counts it as lost, but then he, he just throws out anything basically like, indeed, I count everything as loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord, and for his sake, I have suffered the loss of all things 
and count them as rubbish. Of course, I believe this is the Greek word skubala, which literally means manure, um, if you're going to translate it. And so, again, Paul, uh, from the beginning with talking about looking out for the dogs, the mutilators of the flesh, down to saying, how, well, how, how, how worthless are they really? He's like, it's manure. Um, <laughs> like he is, he is using strong language uh, to talk about. And, and again, why do you use such strong language like that when you're warning somebody out of a heart of love? It's because it's very, very, very dangerous. Again, when we talk to our kids, it's like we're not, we don't, as loving parents, we don't hold back in you know using strong language um, in order to keep them from that which could destroy them or hurt them. Um, for his sake, I've suffered the loss of all things and count them as rubbish, nor that I may gain Christ. And again, it's just it's all about Jesus. Not that he didn't exchange religious systems one for the next. He exchanged a man-made religious system for the Savior Himself. And may be found in him, not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law, but that which comes through faith in Christ. And so we're getting into elements of you know the person of Christ. How 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 are we how are we justified in Christ? How do we come to be one with Him by faith? The righteousness from God that depends on faith. And I think we'll save some of this for the next episode. Uh, that verse ten that I may know Him again. Who's Him? It's Jesus, and the power of His resurrection may share in His sufferings, becoming like Him in His death that by any means possible I may attain the resurrection from the dead. Just any any just initial brief thoughts on that without getting into anything too deep. We'll come back and cover it in another episode. But uh, as we begin to wrap up, just kind of closing thoughts here. I think one that sticks out, and we'll, yeah, again, we can dive dive deeper into this on the next one, but um, it, it seems to be that there's this contrast with righteousness, self-righteousness and true righteousness, and um he seems to be connecting this idea of true righteousness with, with the resurrection and, and all of that implies that there's actually a death that has to take place, which is, um, That's good, yeah. which is also kind of just startling. Like, in, like again, in terms of like the, the, the magnitude of what he's talking about, it, it, it literally doesn't get any, bigger than this right like the the solution yeah the solution is not just and again you know we can talk about this too but the solution is not just a better self-righteousness right like because i feel like that's what some people it's like we'll overcorrect and come on the other side and and just not well it's it's still self-right like apart from the literal death and resurrection of christ it's the same exact thing yeah and um and i think that's a lot of what he's trying to get to here 100 i've i've yeah, I'll save it for, for that. <laughs> Brad, Brad Miller. You you got any any just closing thoughts here as we wrap, as we wrap up? Really, this is uh, it's an it's a really is a good uh, passage of scripture. Um, I think as we close, let's maybe just uh, I'll just just thinking through again, not just studying the Bible, but how to study your Bible. Thinking just about some specific application. First of all, if you're listening to this. Uh, very straightforward question, um, but again, it's it's those basic things we need to be reminded of sometimes, is how is your relationship, or maybe even just put it this way, how's your friendship with Jesus? Like, do you understand that he's a person? He's the Savior of the world. He came 2,000 years ago, really lived, really died, really did rise again, is now seated at the Father's right hand, is coming back again someday, and that you have a relationship with him through faith, are you delighting yourself in the person and work of Christ 
who he actually is, um, or are you consumed with just doing a bunch of stuff for him? Secondly, if you find yourself just feeling simply empty, uh, even as a Christian, you know that you're saved, you know, you've put your faith and trust in Jesus Christ alone for salvation, but you just find yourself um, feeling empty, uh, I, I just wonder, it's not for sure, but I just wonder, has, uh, as we've said in this podcast, if you understand what we're saying here, but has Delilah crept back in and begun to lull you to sleep, um, uh, you know, with her seducing powers of religious righteousness or just empty outward uh, ceremony in some in some way. Just come back again and again to Jesus Christ. And, uh, yeah, we're going to wrap this up. We'll come back and touch on some of these verses again. But thanks for listening, and we hope this podcast uh, has uh, encouraged you and helped you to study the Bible and get it not just as information but as food for your soul. Thank you.